The format for this session is to have three speakers share for 20 minutes their experience, strength, and hope on the topic, followed by open pitches. This is a one-and-a-quarter-hour meeting. Our topic is recovery and physical challenges. I will now read from the selected reading, which is from the Alcoholic Anonymous 4th Edition Big Book, page 417. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life, unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. So our first speaker for today is Dana C. My name is Dana. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm also a 100-pounder. Um, I'm passing around pictures. Um, I'm about five foot five, and my top weight was 275 pounds. I was busting out of a size 28, size 30 pants, and today I can wear a. I am today wearing a size 12, and I can cross my legs, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, I've been in program for 19 years. I came in 1984, and um, I have eight years of refraining from compulsively eating as of uh, June 19th, last June 19th. Um, so physical challenges. Um, boy, when um, this topic came up, I thought, well, I work my program, you know, and that, that's basically hopefully what I'll, I mean, I just, I work my program around it. But it also feels really vulnerable to talk about this. I'll mention it in passing, but I never go into it for whatever reason. Um, and the physical challenges that I deal with are three. They're autoimmune disorders. I have lupus. I have um, secondary Sjogren's syndrome. And I have psoriatic arthritis. Um, the medications I take are pretty heavy. I take Vioxx, which is anti-inflammatory. I take um, Plaquenil. I take... Um, what else? Methotexate, which I have to take injectable once a week. Um, I also just started taking Welbutrin, which is an antidepressant, and um, I probably should have been on it a long time ago. And um, I think that's about all that I take. Um, I think that's enough. And it's interesting because um, the Plaquenil that I take is actually an anti-malaria drug. And I... Um, I get the grapevine, and a few months ago, or maybe six months ago, they talked about um, the, the component or the disease concept. And when um, Alcoholics Anonymous first came together, they were very, on the, very much on the cutting edge of this being a disease concept. Back then, what they thought was that once an alcoholic got cured, they could drink again. And what Alcoholics Anonymous did is they came up with the fact that you had to totally abstain from alcohol. And they also, before AA, they thought that if you got to the cause, that if you cured the cause, then the person wouldn't drink anymore. And what AA did was they treated the symptom, and then the cause um, 
would be treated as well. And so if you start the symptom being um, uh, drinking, and um, that I found, you know, brought over into OA is that I needed to stop eating before the cause of my eating got cured. And um, otherwise, what happens is if I'm, um, you know, compulsively overeating, I can't get to the root of the cause of why I'm eating, but when I stop eating, it can be pretty clear of why I'm eating, and then that can be treated. And it's, you know, it's the same thing with the, um, my autoimmune disorders that I, um, that I deal with is the fact that I'm abstaining um, and the fact that I'm not abusing food, I'm not hurting my body with food, my doctor can actually treat my autoimmune disorders. I don't have all this stuff going on around the edges that my doctor's trying to eat that's manifested from my compulsive overeating. And I've been, um, I've been in pretty good health, and I think that's why I don't really think about it that much because I do take care of myself. And the things that I deal with that, um, with my autoimmune disorders is chronic fatigue and also pain. Um, the psoriatic arthritis manifests, manifests itself in my fingers, and so I, I wake up often with really sore fingers, and it takes a while to get going, and my whole body can be sore as well. And so um, taking care of myself is a really uh, important thing, just as it's important for me to take care of myself and program. I need to be sure that I get enough rest. And one of the things that um, that's hard for me, because I see people, they can just, they can drive themselves into the ground and work really, really hard and get done what they need to get done, and then they can pop up from that. They get a little rest, they pop up, and they move on. And if I do that, that'll put me into a flare, and I can be sick for a long time. So I have to be sure that I, I manage myself and I manage my, um, my rest, too. Um, and so just kind of like a little bit what it was like before, um, well, at 275 pounds, I just saw myself from the neck down, um, I mean, from the, um, from the neck up. I didn't see myself from the neck down. I didn't know what I looked like. When I was um, a size 28, 30, I thought I was a size 14. And when I'm a size 12, I think that I'm a size 28, 20, uh, 30. You know, I don't, I don't have a real good idea of, of what I'm like. Um, and so I got in these rooms, and, I, and I, um, I worked the program. I've worked the steps in several ways. And um, what happened was, I remember, sitting, this was maybe about seven years ago, sitting in um, our step meeting, Monday, our Saturday morning step meeting, and I remember just feeling really bad. I hadn't been diagnosed yet, and I was just feeling really sick, and it takes a lot for me to get to the doctor. It takes a lot of pain for me to do something about it. You know, it took a lot of pain for me to do something about my weight. It took a lot of pain for me to go to the doctor and get taken care of. And so um, I finally went to the doctor and I got diagnosed and I was able to start um, taking care of myself and do what I needed to do. And one of the things that happens is when I don't feel good, I notice that it affects me almost the same way as compulsive overeating affects me. Um, I just I get in, I can get into emotional chaos and what it feels like it's like this trap door has opened up and my emotions just fall right through. It's like I have no emotional elasticity. Um, I have no sense of humor. Um, I, you know, I just don't feel well. And my self-esteem just plummets when I don't feel well. And when I get into that place, I have got to go to meetings. I have got to work my program because I know that's what's happening in my head. 
isn't true, and then I think my partner's going to leave me because, you know, I feel so bad. And so it's important for me to communicate about how I'm feeling and get proper feedback of what's going on rather than staying with all those voices in my head saying how awful I am because I feel bad and how I'll never be able to mount too much because I don't have enough energy to do anything. Um, and so I get to meetings and I show up and um, with all the voices in the room, that helps, you know, buoyants me up and, and keeps me going until I start feeling better again. And I heard it, you know, it's, um, it's like changing the radio dial. You know, it's like I can get a really bad radio station, and what this program does, it, it helps me change it so I get a better radio station, so I'm getting better voices. And, um, you know, that, that part is really important because I can so self-sabotage um, myself. Um, also, um, the spiritual recovery and the emotional recovery and the physical recovery, for me what I found is that the spiritual recovery is learning about faith, is that my faith grows. To me, that's the spiritual recovery. Um, the emotional recovery is that I'm actually having emotions when I should have them, and I'm having them in the proper, you know, when I should really be angry, I should really be angry, and I can let it go, and hopefully it won't turn into a resentment where it gets resent through me again and again, and I just hang on to it. And the physical recovery, um, I'm also a food addict besides a compulsive overeater, which means that when I ingest certain ingredients, the phenomenon of craving develops. And I hate walking around with that craving and not be able to, you know, kind of scratch the itch of the addiction. And so it's better for me just to refrain from those ingredients and to be free from the craving. I also can delude myself. I can rationalize myself into relapse so easily, especially when I don't feel well, because what happens is I just want to coat the nerves. I just want to soothe the nerves. I don't feel good. I just want to, you know, I just want something ooey-gooey just to make me feel better. And unfortunately, what that happens is I just, you know, I balloon up. Um, so on those three levels, um, I'm going to hit on it, uh, spiritual recovery and faith. Um, what I have to have faith that I'll be okay. I have to be careful that I don't go on the Internet and I research all my autoimmune diseases because that can put me in great despair. I mean, when I read that stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be dead next week, you know, and um, I'm, I'm able to function. I function well. People usually can't tell that I deal with this stuff. And so I have to be careful that I don't do that. Also, I have to be careful about watching um, movies because what happens is one time I watched this movie on this gal that had lupus and she died at the end. So I kind of stay away from that stuff um, just because that, that plugs into my fear, you know, the fear of being in pain, um, the fear of, you know, the horrible stuff that can happen. And so far that hasn't been my, my past. I'm also afraid to turn out like my mom. Um, my mom has fibromyalgia, and she's a compulsive overeater, and I'm watching her slowly go into more and more isolation and um, just not taking care of herself, and I'm afraid that I'm going to end up that way. Um, and I just have to have faith, and I do have the experience of faith, that I don't have to walk around morbidly obese, and I, and I have a good rheumatologist. I am being taken care of. Um, and so just have faith and live in the now, because if I start projecting in the future, then um, it's, it's really scary for me. It's really scary in my head. And um, another fear that I have or a difficulty that I have that, that programs help me is that um, I, I've been in my job for like 10 years. I'm an operations manager, and I want to go back to school and, and 
um, get my master's and change careers. And I've been afraid to leave my job because I have health benefits. I'm afraid that, you know, going back to school, the school I'm looking at, they don't have insurance. I'm afraid that I will lose my rheumatologist. Um, and I'm afraid that I'll never get covered again by insurance. So that's the fear right now that is paralyzing me. And I know that the first way to um, deal with the fear is talking about it and talking about it in the rooms, talking about it with my sponsor, talking about it with my partner and stuff, that this is my fear. And lo and behold, people come up and say, hey, I've got this insurance agent. Why don't you talk to her and see, you know, what your options really are? Because the options in my head is it will never work out and we're all going to die. And so, um, you know, to actually do the footwork that's in front of me, rather than thinking I'll project to the 20th, you know, piece of footwork rather than doing the footwork in front of me and actually, you know, okay, I can research this stuff. I'm also, you know, I'm also afraid of getting exhausted. Um, the job that I have now, I, I can pretty well manage. I'm afraid I'm going to get into something that I can't manage. And again, I, it's just that projection that goes on. Um, and I like the saying that it says, it's that faith without action is dead. And I can have all the faith in the world, but I need to take the action. Like, I need to take the action to talk to this insurance person. And, you know, even back to the food, it's like I actually need to take action to work program. I need to take action to follow my plan of eating. I need to, you know, take action to um, bring my higher power into my life. And the faith, what I heard is described, it's like faith is the spirit and the action is the body. And that I need the action in order for the faith to be manifested. It's like my body needs the spirit to be alive. And that's how it's, it's played out. Also what's helped is a God box for me. Um, what I do is I put something in the God box and, um, you know, give it to God. It's, way, it's a tangible way I can give it over to God. And um, then what happens is like six months down the road is I'll pull this stuff out, the stuff that I have concerns with, and I'll see how they were taken care of. And generally, they were taken care of in a, in a way or a solution that I never even thought of or I ever contrived. And it's just amazing. I mean, today, I have a, um, a life beyond my wildest dreams. And um, it, it wasn't what I, I thought of. I'm, I'm a gay person, and I never, you know, on my resume, I never put down lesbian when I grow up. You know, and I never put down that I want to have autoimmune disorder when I grow up. But, you know, when I can accept these things, you know, it, it's, it's actually incredible. And um, I have an incredible partner. And kind of going back with my mom, when, when we were first getting together, my mom absolutely loves and adores her. And um, she said, you know, Dana, you're really lucky that you found somebody that can put up with all your autoimmune stuff, you know, that, that um, you know, with your disorders, you know, that, that limit you so much that somebody will put up with that. And it was just like, you know, like, these are the messages that I would get, and she would say, there's nothing limited, or Dana's never limited. You know, so I have this person in my life that's also this other voice that can feed positive, um, positive messages to me. Um, so, yeah, so I use the, um, I use the God box a lot, and, um, you know, without any action, then there is no, there is no profit, or, you know, they also say that half measures avail us nothing. Um, and also in the acceptance, um, you know, again, I just go back to taking care of myself um, because if I don't take care of myself, then um, I'm not able to do anything. Um, and let's see. 
Another thing that I take is um, I take prednisone every once in a while, and that can be a hard drug too. Um, but I do need to take that in order to limit the, um, the inflammations. And um, I, it, makes, it gives me anxiety attacks. It'll give me panic attacks. And I've always been afraid of, like, going insane and, um, you know, going. And when I have that feeling, it's just really scary. And, again, I just have to remember, I just have to stay in the now rather than projecting to the future. Um, part of my food plan is I make sure that I eat a balanced diet. I don't limit um, certain food groups. I don't um, confine myself to one way of eating, even though I don't. I don't do the, um, I don't do sugar, I don't do flour, but I also eliminate wheat. And um, I also eliminate cheese. And, um, but I do, do make sure that it's, it's full. And one thing that it said, or I read somewhere, it's like, it's make sure that you have a balanced diet because, you know, your cells need the protein or, or whatever. Well, when they tell me that, that's like a loaded question because to me that, that gives me license to binge. Well, I'm supposed to eat a balanced diet, so I better go binge to make sure I get everything. You know, that's just kind of like the way my, my thinking happens, and that's why I need this program to help guide me. There's a definition of insanity that I really like, and um, basically what it says, it says that in my head – um, I'm missing the place that coordinates um, my behavior. And, you know, it's like, okay, I, I'm missing that place that coordinates my behavior around compulsive overeating. Um, when I was in college, you know, we used to drink to get drunk. Well, um, I did that, and I felt bad, and I thought, this is stupid, so I'm going to stop doing it. Well, I have a place in my head that tells me to stop that because it's not good. And when I'm powerless over something, what that means to me is that I keep doing something over and over dis despite the um, destructive consequences. And um, so what this program does for me is it gives me a place. This, this place outside of myself is the area that uh, my behavior is conditioned around food so that I don't hurt myself with food, um, which is really important. Um, and so I think that's about all I have to say in regard to this, um, I'm just so grateful to, to OA and, um, you know, just helping me recover emotionally as well as physically as well as um, spiritually. Um, I remember one time when I first, I'm a Christian, and when I first came out, um, I thought, oh, my God, God hates me, you know. And so I kind of let go of my religious rules, and I was in, um, I was in program and I thought that was a time that I actually lost my faith. Um, but when I look back, that was actually the time that I let go of the religious rules and my faith was the strongest. You know, faith isn't always what I think it is. Um, faith just gives me the strength to walk, walk through fears and to stay present and to not use food as my higher power, to make sure that I'm using my higher power as my higher power. Um, one thing that I heard is that the first thing you turn to is your higher power. And so I've always tried to be awake enough or conscious enough to hopefully, I don't do it all the time, default to um, praying to God, you know, when there's difficulty or my, my brain gets crazy or whatever, is to just ask, ask God for help. So this program has really helped me. It hasn't helped me to handle the food because it's not about – um, controlling the food or controlling binges or anything, but this program has really helped me to live life abstinently and to handle life abstinently and to handle life on life's terms because I do have the ability 
to diet. I mean, I did a I did a metabolic fast and I lost 135 pounds in seven months. I mean, and I didn't cheat. I was the only one in our group that didn't cheat. You know, I was halfway bald, but you know, I was 135 pounds by God. And um, so I do have willpower around the food, but I didn't have a way to live life on life's terms. And I'm just very grateful for this program. Thank you. And our next speaker is Natasha. I'm Natasha, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Hi. I'm so nervous to be up here right now. Uh, It's my first convention that I've spoken at. Um, But i got to tell you, more than I'm nervous to be up here, I'm just filled with gratitude to be able to be speaking on this topic and for all that I've been given um, in this program around physical challenges that, you know, this program gave me my life background food and it, you know, gives me my life background so many things every day and lets me have a life and love my life, even though I get to deal with physical stuff every day. Um, and just to qualify briefly, I, I came into OA, I guess it will be four years in the fall, September, October, and one day at a time in August, I'll have three years of abstinence. Um, and and I, was, I was a real low-bottom bulimic and compulsive overeater and compulsive overexerciser when I came in and incredibly suicidal and incredibly de- depressed and just I didn't have a life when I came in here. The only thing I knew how to do was eat. The only thing I knew how to do was purge. The only thing I knew how to do was exercise. Um, and I thought I was just ready for the nut house, that nobody and nothing could help me. And I was way, you know, my problems were way worse than any of you guys and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, um I came into here I came in here really, really willing and I just I just picked up whatever people told me to pick up and did whatever people told me to do. Um and just started working a program and about a year later close to that got abstinent. Um so when I started dealing with physical stuff, which was in my abstinence, I had a really strong program to go from. Um I, I already had program in my life. About a little over a year ago, um a year ago in spring, I started having a lot of pain in my body, and today I'm kind of loosely diagnosed with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue, um, as well as some other pain that doesn't really fall into any diagnosis, but it just kind of happens in my body, and so I started getting pain in my back and in my neck, and then it kind of went throughout my body. It went down my arms, it went into my hands, in my face, um, in my legs, my feet, just everywhere, and a lot of exhaustion. So my life changed really quickly. Um, I, I stopped doing a lot of things, you know, slowly as, as the pain got worse. And for a while, my life got really small. I couldn't, um, you know, I couldn't go to school. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't really watch a movie because it would hurt for me to look at a screen for that long. I spent a lot of my day just lying on ice packs. Um, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything at the computer. I couldn't write. I couldn't hold a book. I couldn't read. So my life just got, like, really, really small. And all it was was... Um, how am I going to take care of myself? Um, and pretty much every day for the past year, I've, I, I, I deal with pain, I deal with exhaustion. You know, for some days it's really severe and some days um, it's not. Some days it's not that bad. I'm definitely a lot better than I was. And um, so as I said, I was, I was working a really strong program when, um, when I started dealing with the pain and I was calling my sponsor every day and I was working the steps. Um, but again, I didn't think that this program was big enough to work around my pain. 
you know, I started talking to my sponsor about the pain, and and she was telling me about the serenity prayer. Like, I should use the serenity prayer around this. I'm like, you don't, you've never even been here. You're not lying on ice all day. You're not in pain. And I was just pissed off. I was pissed off. How am I going to say, you know, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, and that's going to help me? I don't think so. Um, so, you know, I went through my rebellion, and, and then I found out that it did help me. Um, it did help me because there was always something that I could work my program around. Yeah, I, I was powerless over the fact that I was in pain for that day. I was powerless over that. But I wasn't powerless over the fact that, um, you know, I didn't have to live in self-pity. That's what I wasn't powerless over. I had the choice to pray. I had the choice to make gratitude lists. I had the choice to turn to program and change my attitude around what I was going through. Um, and in that way, was able to apply program to it. And I remember when, when I came into these rooms, I heard people say, I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. And I kind of laughed. I was like, they must have slipped. They must have not meant to say I'm a grateful, compulsive overeater. Because I thought, how could you be grateful for something like this? Um, but as I was in the rooms over, you know, a year or more, I became a grateful, compulsive overeater and bulimic because I got my life back. I didn't have a life when I was in when I was in the food. So then I began to think, you know, maybe one day I can be grateful for um, for having this and the health conditions that I have today. Just like I'm now grateful to be a compulsive overeater, and I and I got to take that mentality and say, you know, maybe there's there's something here for me that I got to learn and grow from every single day. Um, so when I was dealing with the pain and was really severe, my um, my program changed a lot. And, um, you know, I couldn't write and I couldn't use a computer, so I did my um, I did all my step work on a little tape recorder and I just recorded stuff on a little tape recorder. I did 10 steps on a tape recorder and I played it to my sponsor. Um, one thing I did to help me focus on gratitude was, you know, I just made a gratitude list. And I had a gratitude list on my bathroom door for a really long time. Um, and when I was in pain all over my body, instead of focusing on the fact that I was in pain in all these places, I wrote, you know, I'm grateful that I can put on my socks. I'm grateful that, you know, my left toe feels okay today. You know, and it sounds silly, but it got me through it. And it got me to a more positive place where I say, like, okay, today's okay. Today's a good day. There's something I can do. Um, and I got to turn to fellowship a lot. You know, I couldn't drive either, so I got a um, call and I got rides from a lot of people, you know, and I was on the phone nonstop because when you're not working and not in school, there's a lot of alone time. Um, and it's something that I always ate before I came into program when I was alone, you know. I mean, especially when, if I was alone and sick, if I had a sore throat before I came into program, I'd be going to the store with, like, you know, getting three, four bags of sugary stuff and coming home and eating for a little scratchy throat. Um, but now I knew that I could just pick up the phone and I could make a phone call and I could reach out and I could connect. Um, so I did that, you know, all through the day. And most importantly for me is that I really turned to my higher power and opened up and did a lot of prayer and a lot of meditation and just asked for the strength for just kind of the next right step. You know, what is it I need to do? And just finding the trust that, you know, for today, for today, in this one day, I have everything I need. For today, in this one day, I know everything I need to know, and I'm okay, and I'm taken care of, and I'm abstinent. Um, 
and you know, and I never, I never have had to pick up the food around this, um, which is just amazing. I remember one day being at my wit's end, and I just thought, you know, it's just getting worse. It's just getting worse. I feel like I'm hanging onto my abstinence by my fingernails, like I'm just about to lose it. And that's what I felt like. And then I just got this little voice that said, just let go. Just let go. Because you know what? I don't need to hang on. I have a higher power that's doing that for me. Um, and I have a higher power that's always there guiding me through the day. Um, so another thing that I did um, in just kind of dealing with all of that downtime was that, you know, I have fear of not being enough is kind of like the, the foundation of my disease voices in my head. And when I had so much downtime, I couldn't, I mean, I wasn't doing anything productive. Like, I couldn't even, you know, do all my vacuuming or all my chopping of my vegetables by myself. It's like, okay, well, that's a lot of, you know, a lot of material for my I'm not enough voice to go on and on about what I'm not doing in my day. I mean, what I'm not accomplishing. And so I started to have spiritual goals for the day, you know, spiritual goals about just staying in the moment, about seeing the miracle of just small things, about just being grateful, you know, about for anything, you know, in any one moment I can give you a hundred things to be grateful for if I'm willing to just stop, you know, and and trusting God, you know, just having this list of, of spiritual goals that no matter no matter what it was like in that one day, no matter what the pain was like, um, I could still turn to those goals and I could find happiness and joy in those and kind of redirect my energy there. Um, so what else can I tell you? Um, an important thing also was continuing, of course, to show up for program and continuing to be of service. Um, you know, I was, I was in a lot of pain the other day, and I hadn't been in pain like this for a while. It was just this week, and I called my sponsor, and I left a message on her answering machine, just kind of a check-in message, and said, you know, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm taking care of myself, and da-da-da, and I went on with my message, and then um, she left me a message back later and said, you know, it's, it's great that you are taking care of yourself, and I'm so glad to hear that. And then also brought up how important it is to get out of my head even in those moments, even when the pain is taking me away, and to be of service to other people. Because um, I still have a lot of great things going on in my life, even when that's going on. Um, and that's been really important throughout this whole time is, you know, sponsoring is one thing, showing up for sponsees who are, you know, new in program or not new, new in program, and just being there for them, and I showed up really weird a lot of days, you know, I had one sponsee who was coming over to my house, and I always was just, like, covered in ice packs, and, you know, I wouldn't, I couldn't look at her the whole time, so I'm like, I'm always, I was saying to her, you know, I'm sorry I have to turn my head this way, it's not that I'm not listening to you, but, you know, my neck kind of hurts, or, you know, whatever it was, so, you know, sometimes I showed up kind of weird, but I just got to keep showing up, and I got to keep being of service, because I was, you know, practicing the steps, and practicing the traditions, um, and, and you know, working the program, and i got to share that, and i got to carry the message. Um, by being of service to my sponsees and by um, being of service to, to um, people at the meetings when I would take on service commitments there. Um, and, you know, another, another good thing that really helps me with this is thinking that no matter where I am, no matter how my body's feeling, no matter what emotion's going on in my head, I know it's all going to pass. You know, that's something I learned in program. I thought before I came into program, 
you know, if I wanted to eat, I just thought, you know, I would have to eat. I didn't get that that feeling of wanting to eat or wanting to jump on that destructive thought was going to pass. I didn't get that when I got stuck in my fears. I couldn't even call them fears at that point. I didn't know that. But when I got stuck in my emotional binge, that that was going to pass. Um, but I learned those things in program that the, these thoughts are going to pass and all these situations, they pass and they change and they flow. And, you know, on comes the next thing. And, and i got to learn that about pain, too, is that sometimes I am in extreme pain, have been in extreme pain, but i got to learn that it always passes. So, um, so, you know, I take care of myself the best I can, and, and then I keep in mind that it will pass. And, um, and somehow that gives me the freedom to enjoy the moment, you know, to enjoy the moment and and know that God's taking care of the rest. Once I've done everything I can, I get a little breath to go to God and know that um, that it is being taken care of. And hmm, let's see. So I've had to. I've, I've tried to start um, up my life a couple times or start doing more in my life the way that, you know, I thought my life should go after this. The pain stuff started with me. Um, and things didn't always pan out. Like I started, I wanted to go back to school you know, one semester and that didn't happen. I wanted to go back again the next semester and that didn't happen. Um, and then it didn't happen last last semester and then I'm going to probably be going back in a couple months. and. Another thing has been just kind of surrendering to, you know, what I'm able to do in uh, any given day and what I'm able to do in my life. You know, I, you know, I have a plan of how things were supposed to happen, um, and they didn't happen that way. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, this, this is it. This, this is what I want to have happen. And, you know, that, that just wasn't the plan for the moment. And having that acceptance that, you know, I am where I need to be today. And, um, and when one thing doesn't happen, there's always something else that, that happens in that situation. There's something else that unfolds. Um, there's something else that develops for me. You know, if I don't go back to school, then maybe, you know, some other relationship or interest or whatever develops and that's where I need to be and that's where my focus and that's where my energy is um, and just putting acceptance on that and seeing, you know, what can I learn in this situation and how can I turn to trust my higher power in this situation um, and how can I not pick up the food. I know there's, there's one portion in the big book, I think it's in working with others, the 12-step the portion in the big book. Um, and I really like it. I say it in my morning prayers every day. It's something like um, that you can be well. I don't know if you can be sober or you could be well, but I translate it as you can be abstinent and well regardless of anything and anyone. Um, and then it goes on to say work or no work, um, spouse or no spouse. You know, you have this or you don't have this. You can be abstinent no matter what. Um, the only requirement is that you trust God, you clean house, and you carry the message. Um, and I say that every day in my prayers and just remind myself that that abstinence is always there and, and being well, you know, in my mind 
is always there for me if I'm willing to do those things. And I just feel really blessed to be willing to continue to work my program and continue to connect with my higher power um, on a daily day on a day-to-day basis, just asking for the next right thing. Um, and you know, I'm I'm really grateful for everything that has happened to me in my life to this point, including including my health. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't at all ever wish that you know what has happened didn't happen because it brought me to where I am today. It brought me to a place where I am much more grounded and centered in myself and much more, thank you, much more um, connected with my higher power and and continuing to grow and continuing to to open up and find beauty in, in life in ways that I couldn't do before, um, you know, this process of my growth happened. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, and so, so turning to... To gratitude has been just a really, really important thing for me, and and always looking for um, in what ways can I grow and um, in what ways can I give. Um, my mind just blew a, drew a blank. I was going somewhere with that, but <laughs> like I said, I'm nervous and I'm still nervous. But I know I'm going to look back on this one day, too. You know, this is my very first time speaking at a convention at a microphone, and I'm being taped and all this stuff. And, you know, after I've done it a couple times over the next however many years, it's you know, it's just going to be this funny little event of, you know, there I was up there all nervous and all scared. Um, so, yeah. Um, now I remember what I was going to say. It was that... Another thing with another thing that the, the pain has done, which is wonderful for me, is you know when I'm when I'm dealing with that much physical discomfort, I just I can't have all that mental stuff going on. You know I just I I can't do the resentment, I can't do the fear, you know I can't do the anxiety to the level that it used to control me, um, because it'll just put me in more pain. You know it'll just you know, gather me up and bundle me up and put me in more pain. And I can't do it. I get to surrender that to my higher power. And, you know, it, it, it got me to to work my program even more. You know, whenever stuff comes up, I write about it. Whenever stuff comes up, I pray about it and I meditate about it and I give it to God and I talk to my sponsor and I do the whole thing. Because, you know what, I just can't go there today. I can't go there. Um, and... You know, and I do, I do, but I gotta let things go. I gotta work through it. And in the twelfth step, it says, you know, we gotta meet calamity with serenity. You know, whatever comes in our life, we get to find a way to to meet it with serenity. And you know, and I think there are days when I just I can wake up and I can have acceptance and everything's okay. You know, even if things are bad, but it can be okay. And I get to meet it with serenity. And of course, then there are days when you know I wake up and everything sucks and da 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 da. But I still get to be on the road to finding that serenity within myself, you know, by working the steps and by calling my sponsors. That if I'm not there in that moment, then I'm on my way there. Um, and, you know, and there's always a way to go there, and there's always a way, I know, for me to work my program. You know, when I, when I couldn't read, um, I couldn't hold books a lot. I actually still can't hold books a lot, but I find ways to position them right now. Um, so that I can do that. Um, 
But you know, when I couldn't when I couldn't do a lot of reading, and there's a lot of literature and a lot of reading that I do to work my program. What I did is I tore up my books, or I still tear up my books, but in the very beginning I tore up my books kind of page by page and read it into a little tape player. And, you know, and I think I have the whole OA 12 and 12, maybe the whole A 12 and 12 read into a little tape player. Um, thank you. I didn't, I don't know, I don't know how many times I've listened to it back, but it's like there's always a way for me to work my program. You know, there's always a way for me to do it. And, you know, I may have to be creative about it, um, and it may come in different ways, but there's always a way for me to find a way through it um, and to just, you know, get to the next step in my path. And, you know, right now I have, I have some fear up about the future. I'm going to be going back to school a little bit more full-time, three-quarter time, because that's the only way I could get financial aid. And it's a big step for me physically. Um, you know, with, with pain stuff and with exhaustion stuff. And so, you know, I have fear about it not working out. I do. And I'm, I'm going to be moving to live on campus there, and there's going to be all these changes taking place in my life in the next month. And, um, and there's definitely a lot of fear and anxiety coming up. And, you know, what I've been doing is I, I work my program around it, and I put those fears in my God box, and I put them in my 10th step and try to see what's under them and talk about it. Um, and, you know, and you know, slowly try to let them go to the best of my ability. But, you know, underneath that all is knowing that, you know, I'm just showing up for today. That's it. I'm showing up for today. And, you know, this may not work out. It may not work out again for me to go back to school. It may not be my path right now. Um, and I'm sure if that happens, I'm going to be making phone calls and crying and all types of stuff. And, um, you know, and then, I'll, and then I'll accept it and I'll go through. But, but I know that whatever happens, I'm going to be okay because I'm working this program. And, um, and this program can guide me through anything, absolutely anything that I'm given in my life today. And, you know, I think the miracle is that it can guide me through it. And as it guides me through it, I get to have experience that I get to pass on to others, just like other people give me their experience that gives me my hope. Um, when I'm down. So I'm really grateful to be here, and um, I'm really grateful for everything OA has given me. And I'm grateful I could actually talk to you my whole 20 minutes. So thank you. And our final speaker is Ruth M. Hi, my name is Ruth, and I am a real compulsive overeater. Hi, and um, I'm not supposed to get here. Uh, oh God, <laughs> my 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 physical challenge for the moment is, God, please keep my heart from banging so loud that it messes up the tape. <laughs> what kind of compulsive overeater am I? Well, I'll tell you a story about when I was three years old. My mom had breast cancer, and my dad had viral pneumonia. And that, at that point in the first half of the last century, the, uh, those diseases tended to be fatal. Uh, both of my parents lived, but during that period of time, when they were both so ill, I was taken care of by a very large extended family that I have on the East Coast, very loving, very capable of taking care of myself, care, taking care of me because I was not at three able to take care of myself at all. But the story about it is that 
Ruthie was fine. She is just wonderful to take care of as long as you give her chocolate pudding and macaroni. And my entire childhood, I had chocolate pudding in the refrigerator and macaroni on the plate um, frequently. And in my adulthood, some things never change, and I will, <laughs> I will get to that. Um, I became heavier and heavier from uh, the end of high school uh, into my young adult life. Uh, I do not know my top weight. I know it's in excess of 190 pounds. All I can say is that I was so big that when my sister got married and I was in my 20s, um, and in those days there weren't the Macy's women's stores, and uh, the only place to go was Lane Bryant, and there was no dress in Lane Bryant that one would wear to a wedding that was large enough to get around me. I'm not saying one that I would like. I mean, just nothing in the store. And so I had to have a dress made designed for me and made, and not because I was getting a designer dress, but because nothing else would fit. And, you know, I don't know what size I wore in the 20s. Um, I'm now a 8 or 10 on the bottom, a little bigger on the top, um, and I can go to the store and buy something for any occasion uh, that I want. But it's only recently that I bought clothes that weren't black or navy blue, and I still will, default mode is black or navy blue, but one of my friends who was actually sitting in this room kept saying, you got to wear colors, you got to wear colors. So, you know, I went out and I bought something that had colors a while ago, and I'm still terribly uncomfortable in it. And some of these, they said something about it, and I said, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's like lime sherbet. And they said, yeah, you would pick, <laughs> you would pick a food. Um, I, <laughs> I first came to the program in 1978, 9, somewhere in there. This is what I remember. Gracie, grateful, and God. I was not ready for grateful. I was certainly not ready for God. I was ready for Gracie. I took it. It was a very restrictive diet. I probably went to about six meetings. I didn't go to just one. I went to some, but, you know, I, I really understood after that that Gracie was where it was at. Went home, told my husband, I'm not going to eat bread anymore. And I went, I ate Gracie for a long time. And I'll tell you, I lost a lot of weight. And that began while, while my teens and 20s and early 30s had been a, a progression up. Finding the gray sheet had been a progression down, then up, then down, then up. And I started the years of yo-yo dieting. In 1990, I was in the workplace. I had moved to Sacramento by then. And we had had some kind of event that had had one of these gigantic sheet cakes, you know, the kind that's the size of a football field. And it had been put after the event placed in a break room where, you know, a few people would go and get a couple of pieces to take home to their kids, and then by the next morning it would be all dried out, and, you know, people would throw it away. So I'm in this break room. Nobody else is, I guarantee you nobody else was in there. And I am going around the entire perimeter of this sheet cake, pulling all, you know, the gumps of frosting, and then I'm cutting the edges off the existing pieces of cake. So, you know, get the, just get, I mean, who needs the cake? Give me the frosting. And in that moment, there was a moment of clarity. It was God working in my life. It was, it was one of the things that helped me to come to believe that there is a higher power in my life. And it was, I wasn't totally ready to surrender, but I, I was able to say, you know, this is insanity. And I knew enough about alcoholism and drug addiction, and I could say I'm, I'm eating alcoholically. I, and that if um, the recovery bookstore that was on my way home 
had an OA schedule, I'd go to an OA meeting. I mean, I wasn't ready to go to any length to find an OA meeting, but if it just so happened to be a schedule, I would go. And I came in 1990, and I've been coming back ever since. And I was not absent immediately. And then I learned three meals a day, nothing in between. But when you eat three meals that are the size of a banquet, and you're consuming what any normal person would consume in three days in your three meals, I did not lose weight. But I also had long periods of abstinence. And I, by long, I mean I went anywhere from I would have like two weeks to two years. But I did not stay consistently absent. And I don't take abstinence shifts for, those period, for any of that period of time. In 2000, I uh, had a four-hour binge. And it was, it was just the most astounding experience. It had all of the addiction, all of the compulsion, all of the craving and the obsession and the craziness. And the only way I broke it was to leave the workplace and call my sponsor. And from that day on, I have been abstinent, so I claim four, or next week I'll claim four years. The um, physical challenges that I've faced are um, several. Um, I've had uh, several surgeries since I've been in this program. I've had um, some major pain events, just, you know, just those kind of, that awful kind of pain. And two years ago, I, I went through a year of chemo that the treatment almost killed me um, <laughs> if the disease hadn't. Um, and after, thank God, for um, eight months of Procrit, and, you know, now I'm fine. I'm, I'm totally 100% fine. But that, that was a very, very difficult year of the program. And I'm going to before I tell you how, what it's been like, I'm going to tell you what it was like. When I was 32 years old, after, you know, this was in the period of, I, uh, there's a, I can't say, there's a, a movie that came out of us, the, the word professor's in it, and the guy's wearing one of those suits, and it, it goes like this. Well, that, you know, that was kind of, kind of my life. Anyway, when I was 32 years old, I had a very serious spinal injury, and I could not walk. I mean, I literally couldn't walk. My feet wouldn't work because they flopped around, and I was in excruciating pain, and I had to be moved to San Francisco to the UC hospital there because there was a neurosurgeon there who might be able to operate on me and, um, you know, give me some relief of some kind. And when I got there, and, you know, he had a lot of test results. The tests were different in those days. There were no MRIs. There were no uh, CT scans, but there were some other um, procedures. And he sat with me and told me, you know, what had happened, and my spine was very destabilized, and he thought that he could uh, – not only fix my spine, but possibly repair some nerve damage that had occurred. And, but that I, my spine would never, ever be the same. And that once you've had the kind of spinal injury I had, that, um, that once the spine is just different. It's a building block and it, it's, it's always going to be weak. And there were, there were a couple of things that I had to accept. And one is that I could not have weight on my back. And I wasn't at my top weight when I had the surgery. In fact, I, I was, I was down from it some. And that uh, if I were to get pregnant, that I might have to be flat in bed with a pregnancy because just the, the sheer weight of carrying um, a baby could potentially paralyze me. So I had to and that, you know, <laughs> stay, stay skinny and do a lot of exercise. This was a doctor who was way before his time. He said before I could go back to work, I had to be able to walk 10 miles in a, a day. But that part of the story that tells you about this illness is 
I was in the hospital for several months. When my husband went to San Francisco or came to San Francisco to pick me up, he brought my clothes. And I, I pulled my clothes on. And I'm not they weren't tight. I could not get those clothes on. You know how when the V of your zipper is stretched all the way out and they ch it won't get beyond, you know, like if this was my waist, that would be okay. But my waist was up here and my shirt would not get down over my body. And I went home in, um, you know, hospital jammies, I forget what they're called, but, you know, the things that are open in the back. And what had happened is I had no tools. I was terrified. I was a young woman. I was far away from, my husband was here, but I was far, and we weren't married at the time. We were, I was far away from home. I had no emotional coping skills. I had no, I had no skills at all except eating. And the entire time I'd been in the hospital, I ate. And because I hadn't been weighed at admission because I couldn't stand up, I don't know how much weight I gained, but I gained so much weight, and I didn't wear loose clothes, that my clothes just wouldn't even get around my body. After I came into the program, it wasn't like that. Physical challenges for me bring up everything that I hate. What are those things? Loss of control. Fear. Being vulnerable, God, especially when, I, you know, when you're so sick that you know that if there were anything to happen, you couldn't defend yourself or I couldn't defend myself. Having to ask for help. Having to live with lack, lack of perfection. Not only lack of perfection, I mean lack of, you know, just minimal you know, um, kind of thing. Ego's out the window. I mean, you know. Oh, when you don't have any hair and you're puking 24 hours a day, um, you know, how you look is is out the window. But those are the kinds of things. That's my sickness. Those tap into all, all my um, character defects. And this is another example of how subtle this disease is and how crazy it is and how sick I am with it. At the time that I was in the chemo and, I, you know, it wasn't – I was so sick, and I was just dropping weight. You could almost watch it come off me. And, you know, part of me was terrified. I thought I was dying. Certainly everybody around me thought I was dying. But there was this little part that was like, oh, God, I'm skinny. I can see my bones. Oh, you know, no hair. <laughs> but I'm getting skinny. And, I mean, if that's not sick, I don't know what it is. So what do I do? I do this when I'm in these situations, whether it's being that sick or this horrible, horrible pain that I sometimes get with my back. You know, I do what the other speakers, thank you so much, said. I work my program. First, I have to say I'm powerless because there's two things. There's the situation, whether it's my back or the chemo or, you know, any other kind of thing. There's that piece, that reality. And then there's the other overlay on it that I I create myself, and that has to do with my thoughts about it and the language I use. And I want to talk a little bit about the language in a minute, but the whole thing I put on it. And one of the things I've put on pain and have, and I'm trying to learn over and over again not to do is to fight the pain, which just makes the pain worse. I'm powerless. And my insanity is to think anything else or that I have any control over the outcome. And to 
ask God to help me and to pray and to use that tool and to do the things in my program that I do every day. I get up every day, and even if I don't get up out of bed every day when I'm so sick, I say the serenity prayer. I say my version of the first three steps in prayer. I say the third step prayer. I say two traditional prayers because they give me comfort. I read a page out of Life Letter, one of the little, an article, um, a page from For Today and a page from Voices of Recovery. I surround myself with this program. I just brought some examples. I have bookmarks, first things first. I have little lists. I have the Just for Today that's dog here. All kinds of stuff all over my house. Somewhere there's in here uh, a pair of dice that say God on every side. You know, throw the dice. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I have I have chips that are in my pocket that I can just feel. Uh, I open my purse and there is a uh, Overeaters Anonymous pocket thing that you know I, that I see immediately. I have to remind myself this little pin. And if anybody knows who makes these, I would really like to know. I got this pin at a regional convention in the early 90s. I believe it was in Santa Rosa. It says OA in the little in the inside, but nobody would ever know it's an OA pen. I get a lot of compliments on it. When I am staying away from my house overnight, I always wear this pen. And if I look in the mirror in Hawaii, or I look in the mirror in London, or I look in the mirror at the Hilton, or I look in the mirror in Athens, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I need to remember that. And so I surround myself with my program. I received calls in the morning when I was so desperately ill, I would say, oh, I can't talk to you, or I would have to tell my husband, tell him I can't talk. Uh, but I tried to take calls, and, I, and every morning I take calls now, and I call my sponsor. I eat three meals a day. I don't eat things that make me want to have more. And that's really important, because I'm going to talk about that with the, with the uh, chemo experience. And... Um, at the end of the day, I write down my food and I call it in every day. If I, for some reason, are out of town or there's a problem, even when I was really, really sick, I tried to call my food in most of the time or at least be accountable in some kind of way about how I was going to handle food because I am too crazy around food. So that's some of what I do. I listen to tapes. I find that, that very helpful. Um, I, I have literature around. Um, I, do, I get to meetings as much as I possibly can. Uh, I tend to go to meetings. When I'm well, I go to meetings a lot. When I was sick, uh, you know, or in physical pain, um, I had to um, make special allowances. And a lot of thank you for the, my friends in this program who got me to a Saturday morning meeting um, quite often. Um, despite the fact that I couldn't get myself there. And I would fall down when I was out with them. I would literally just fall on the ground and, and you know, they just, they just allowed me to, um, <laughs> to do what I had to do. And, you know, I was so slow in walking. And another thing that I do, and this is particularly good for severe pain for me, and I learned it through this program, and it's a, it's a variation of meditation. And when I am in very severe pain, I meditate on, and it took me a while to develop this particular one, but I meditate on a six-sided box that is lapis blue. I mean lapis blue, and I get into it. And I look at that blue, and I look at the, the lines where the edges of the box come, come together, and I look at the texture because lapis is just so rich and it's so vibrant. And I'm looking, and when I'm doing that, and if I can stay in that 
I am not experiencing pain. That doesn't mean I'm not in pain. It just means that for those moments, I can give myself some relief from, from the pain. Another thing that I find helpful, and I actually have a list of them so that um, I can refer to it, is, is the slogans. And, and some of the other speakers have, have shared some of the same things. This too shall pass. God and I can do anything together. Nothing in my recovery has been something that God has put in my way that I could not handle with God's help. What makes me think that this new pain, this new illness, this new challenge is going to be any different? But I have to remind myself sometimes. I have to look on my slogans. God stays with me. One day at a time was too big for me because when I was so deathly ill, it really had to be one moment at a time. And what I would focus on is, okay, I can lie here. What was happening for a period of time is I had very, very severe vertical. So all the time everything was spinning. Well, it went all the time when everything is spinning. You are puking, or I was puking. So, you know, I would, I would say, you know, at this moment, I am okay. You know, I can feel the sheets. I would go through all the positive stuff and stay in the moment. When I stayed in the moment, I was okay. It was the projection. It was the language of saying, I can't stand this another minute. I'll never be able to do this for a year. This is going to kill me. That stuff is the crazy, and that's the stuff that takes what might be a situation and makes it impossible. So I needed to find ways not to do that. And the only way sometimes was that moment. And I agree about the gratitude list. And my gratitude lists were very, very focused. Like, and I... I'm so glad that I have a comfortable pillow. I'm glad I have a bed. I say them out loud. I am grateful that I have clean sheets. I'm grateful that I have a linen closet full of green, clean sheets. I'm grateful that there's a laundry that will make more clean sheets for my husband. <laughs> you know, I'm grateful that there's treatment for my illness. I'm grateful that my doctors are getting me the treatment for my illness. I'm grateful that I have insurance to pay for it. I mean, you know, just on and on, trying to take all the things that were going on with me and turn them into this incredible sense of gratitude and wonder. And, you know, it got me through. I can't say all the days were like that. I can't say, but in every day there was some of that, and I tried to nurture that part of it. And because otherwise, I, I don't know what would have happened. I know what would have happened with this most recent bout. I would have stopped the treatment. I would have stopped that treatment had I not been in this program. And had I stopped that treatment, I would be dead now, probably. So, um, you know, this program has given me my life, literally. The other thing I had to learn to ask is how important is it, and first things first, how important is it that I have a shower every day? I used to think it was, you know, you got to you have a shower every day. How important is it that you wash the dishes every night? How important are all these things that I thought were necessary things? I couldn't do it. I have to stop. And the other thing was first things first. If I do have a smidge of energy, what is the one thing I have to do today? Maybe it's simply brush my teeth, one half of my mouth. Maybe it's to take one phone call or make one phone call. And that's okay that I just have to do exactly what's in front of me. So I thank you. I'm sorry for running over. And thank you, too. I've gotten so much out of this.
So the meeting is now open for the three-minute pitches. Please limit your sharing to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topics discussed today. Also, all participants must sign the tape release form when you come up here, and please sign up before your pitch. And this session ends at um, 3.45. So, hi, my name is Elise, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you so much for your shares. They were really powerful. Um, you know, I can remember the moment I knew that the pain I was feeling was just not temporary. I was on my way to go speak at an OA meeting, and you, it was on a Sunday, and usually um, on, a, on Sundays I would go grocery shopping, and I realized... I couldn't carry my grocery bags from my uh, car to my apartment door. I know that was a real epiphany. I knew that I needed help, and that was like the main focus of my share. Just a really powerful moment, and I did. I got help. There were plenty of members who. Um, who, you know, pointed me in the direction that I have gone today. Um, I use acupuncture. I have um, fibromyalgia or some sort of tendinitis. Um, and it's been a long journey. I couldn't write for a long time. And a lot of people in my area still think it's just my wrist, but it's really not. It's uh, basically every joint that I have feel some pains on different days and every day it's different and um, so I use acupuncture I have started Tai Chi I've done all these things to help me with my pain but today I'm wondering how much have I worked my program to help me with my pain usually it's something I don't want to think about so I don't and sometimes I'll be praying to God about it but I don't know how much I've worked my program, how much I've used this wonderful, wonderful program um, to to help me. And I that's got to be mind that, that's really mind blowing to me um, because I've had it. I've been dealing with this for um, about a little over a year and a half. So the idea that I don't know it's it's um, something I'll have to think about. That's, that's really all I wanted to say. Thanks. Hi, my name is my name is Ella. I'm a compulsive overeater. I just want to say thank you so much. I I I feel almost the way I felt when I first came into OA, and I heard a message of hope and recovery and I heard that there was a solution and I heard that I wasn't alone. Um, I'm a person, I was recently diagnosed, you know, with arthritis and I'm having some chronic knee problems and I was a person who was very, very active physically and took a lot of pride in that 
and had a lot of ego invested in being this person who could do these things. And I, you know, when it first happened, I started calling other people in program who'd been through these things. So I think people uh, up here know that their experience was of help to me, that I knew there was someone who knew what it was like to be powerless over uh, physical disability. But what I realize is that I have not been sharing enough and being honest enough at where I'm at now. Because when I first came into program, you know, I did not get abstinent. I did not do the things that were told to me. I just kicked and screamed. And the point is that it's the same thing with um, my physical limitations. I know there's certain things that I need to do to recover you know, both on a physical and a spiritual basis, and, oh, well, God, I don't want to do that, you know. I mean, I, I want to stay up all night if I want to stay up, and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I realized that it's that same old me that, you know, it took me so long to get absent. I don't have that much longer in this world, you know. I am... I, I'm, uh, you know, getting a little old to uh, keep up the kicking and screaming for, you know, 18 years before I finally decide to surrender. So um, by that time, it'll be moot. You know, I really won't be able to walk. So, um, um, but what I realize is that I have to be willing to talk about the pain and I have to be willing to develop that humility. And I just have to be willing to share with you where I'm at and to ask other people to help me with this. Like, in other words, what did I do before? I was powerless over food. I got a food plan. I got a sponsor. I had to call that sponsor every day with the food plan and then call her to tell her I didn't stick to it. So it's it's those things. And I was so happy to hear, you know, like, there's that resentment because someone says, well, pray. And you're thinking, well, you know, why should I pray when I have pain? You know, I'm not going to pray. You know, I'm just mad. And, you know, who am I hurting? That's ha like having a resentment. And, um, you know, I mean, arthritis doesn't care. You know, like the hip isn't, you know, saying, well, um, you know, this really hurts my feelings. Um, <laughs> like, so, um I guess I just want to say how grateful I am and how grateful I am to everybody at this convention who put this on because, you know, we're so many of us here. And, you know, at first, this does this not sound like the sexy workshop, you know. And um, it's been so helpful because what it shows is, like, that's what these steps are for. They're for my life. You know, they're not just for getting a better job or for, you know, um, wearing a size 10 or for any of those things and that they can be used, that they're practical and that faith is practical and that's why I need it. So, thank you. I'm just... Hi, I'm Beth. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I thank the panel too for, um, for your shares and... and um, a lot of what has been said. Um, I um, didn't know what was wrong with me for a very long time. Um, 
while I was in program, I just, you know, I didn't know what was wrong. I just had these spells, you know, where, like, all of a sudden, it's like, I'd be okay. And the next thing I know, I'd be passed out for two days, and nobody could get me up. And um, I thought that at one point, I guess it was about three years ago, um, I thought that um, I've been in program for eight years, so, and, and this, these spells started about a year into, um, a year or two into recovery. And um, so I, I went to a doctor because I thought it was something else. And um, I'd had my, you know, my MRI. And I'm actually fighting with the doctor over whether or not I have migraines. Okay, he's the ear, nose, and throat specialist. And I'm arguing with him over what I have um, because they had changed. And then in addition to that, um, they, uh, you know, I have, um, uh, which has been a, even more of a, you know, part of my history and part of my eating history, um, gastrointestinal, I have irritable bowel syndrome, and it is not fun, you know, it is not fun at all, and I didn't know that I had that, um, I, and it led to, um, eating compulsively to just get rid of that, that, that pain, you know, but then 20 minutes later it's back, you know. Um, and the two just play off of each other like you would not believe. And I've had a lot of difficulty in accepting it, and I didn't think that I would be able to get through graduate school and, you know, um, without, I, I was thought for sure the first semester um, I was going to have to drop out. You know, and um, because I was just like knocked out a lot, and um, through working with a, a better neurologist, I'm now on my third medication. But this time around, I've um, I've just decided that I really want to work at getting to a higher level. All this is all teaching me that I have to really treat my body with extra special care, and. So he had asked me several times before if I was willing to write a migraine journal. Ah, I don't need one of those, you know. Um, so this time I did, and I started writing them down. And um, I was having problems, and I wrote them down for two weeks. And every single one, with the exception of a couple of, you know, um, things that were, they were all food-related, and they were all food triggers. And then the next thing that I know that happens is I'm eating this fruit that I, you know, have eaten normally. This happened like a week and a half ago. And I'm going into, you know, an extreme allergic reaction. So higher power is telling me, you need to get your food tested, you know, um, to help me with the, chronic, with, with the illness and also to help me be a healthier person. And... I, too, think that prayer, you know, I, I haven't really spent a lot of time on faith, in a, and, and, and I have, um, I, I acknowledge it, I, I have this tremendous fear because of, of becoming like my mother, who has fibromyalgia, migraines, um, Sjogren's, and is so isolated and, and in the food, and um, I just got to believe that the step of being, going to get the food testing is going to lead to something but also that I can pray. So thank you. Do one more share. 
Hi everybody, I'm Ida, Compulsive Overeater. Um, thank you so much for the panels. Um, I heard so many things that will help me because um, I've been in kind of self-pity the last few few months. What happened is I got bacterial infection last year and it really compromised my immune system. So I got tired a lot easily than I used to. And a lot of things that I used to be able to do, I'm not able to do it. I'm only able to work limited hours. I'm only able to do a short exercise. And I've been in this pity pot and thinking, oh, I'm not able to do it. And I give myself a license to indulge in things that I'm not taking back things that I've given up. But I've been indulged in gray area, what I call it. I know dangerous for me, and I'm justifying it. I don't feel well. I'm tired, and I'm exhausted, and I'm frustrated. So I'm going to do it. So um, today I heard, you know, things that, you know, your share gives me hopes that just I have to deal with some physical limitation. It's not a time to slack off on my program. It's the other way around. The program will work no matter what. And, and I, I have to expand my gratitude list because I keep, you know, Dr. Chak, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just, it's going to take what it takes until my immune system gets back to, you know, where it is. And I just have to take better care of myself, be patient with myself, and eat right, and do all the things I need to do. And, well, and thank you so much. <laughs> Um, it's now time to close the session. Let's thank our speakers again. And <laughs> please stand where you are, and after a moment of silence, uh, let's let's just do the third step prayer. And since I don't have it memorized, I have to pull it out here. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as I will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It